What's up, guys? High Street Freaks are back. I'm here with Ryan, uh, American Ryan these days, and we are uh, here to talk about some some Buckeye football. How we doing? Dude, honestly, I'm I'm proud to be American. And are you? um no famously. <laughs> yeah, famously. I'm a big I'm a big Patriot guy. I'll tell you what, I saw Devin Brown's Instagram stories with uh with his him going out of the range and feel a little patriotic these days feel a little put a boot in your ass kind of mood yeah out of the quarterback room one of my friends hit me with a Devin Brown take that I'm going to get when we inevitably talk about the quarterbacks here in a second but um I yeah I I feel that I I think we're going to get a uh, an all-American quarterback if he is named the the starter so um we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit but man I I'm feeling good about it being football season. I today's this is last weekend was move in weekend for the teens in Columbus. And um, so, you know, everybody's just getting getting their juices flowing for, you know, football season. I think unlike most college campuses, I can't say most. It's baffling to me. Like I just drove through campus like a few minutes ago. Um, yeah. Kids just like wear Ohio State shit like normally. It's like really weird to me because like I. I own like a podcast. I like, you know, it's my job to talk about Ohio state and like, I don't wear Ohio state clothes that often, but like the kids just like walk around in Ohio state. All the time. Constantly. It's like, it's just like part, like I think there's a few places. I don't know, man. It's not very common in most parts of the world to just just, like wear your Jersey walking around. I will say like, I I think I might've lived in three of them. Because I remember being a kid, and on Sundays, people would just wear their Steelers jerseys to church all the time. <laughs> yeah, that, um, that, that, <laughs> I, I, that's definitely like a, a, a um, Rust Belt sort of thing, I think. That's a Rust Belt sort of vibe. And that's what like, people in Ohio would just wear Ohio State gear pretty much year-round, any occasion. Like, it's just normal to show up. Like, even in a full jersey, just like on a regular Thursday. Yeah, and that's that. the thing. Like, like, not even like football season. That I can't think of like the special or the specific occasion but like every now and then like i'd go to like dinner with my wife or something and we'd be like trying to get like the vibe of the restaurant and i'd go in and there'd be like a you know 55 year old man in like an ohio state t-shirt and a buckeyes hat and i'm like oh well it really didn't matter what i wore then did it so no um no of course not but that that was just it struck me because like i don't know i i just wear normal clothes most of the time um yeah well, but, we are nude on this podcast today. Yeah, this this is famously a nudist podcast. We uh, we only actually we'll, we'll get into the home field ad later, but um, we we only wear home field shirts. Like that's it. Like that's the only thing Correct. we wear on it's the podcast. It's a Winnie Pooh situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the <laughs> the best way to be is 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 Winnie the Pooh in it with just the just the home field shirt, and that's it. So that's um, right. Yeah, man, I'm I'm feeling good. I've started running on purpose every day okay so i can like comfortably do like three miles and so we're working up i i stupidly agreed to do like a relay marathon with my brother-in-law which means i have to run like six miles by the end of september um so i i think i could do it i would just hate myself you can do that yeah you I could do, do it right now but i would just hate myself so i'm trying to like work my way up so that like i'm not gonna die after i do it I'm famously not a runner. That's like just that's a thing that I am never going to be. I have a tremendous respect for it, but I am not built to run. I am. I was not born to run, as as the boss may say. Uh, uh, I, dude, I'm just a guy who is meant to like be a little 
overweight but lift weights that's kind of what my whole thing is um yeah. I mean somebody's <laughs> got to do it you know yeah yeah I I do respect it I tried during COVID to get into running very briefly but I like didn't really I was limited I had been working a job where I had left the company just before COVID which was not a great choice in retrospect uh and <laughs> there weren't really any trails near me and it also wasn't a very like residential area where I could like go around. Like I wasn't like in the city. I was kind of in the suburbs. I was in Burlington. I didn't really have anything great nearby. So I kind of just ran around like the large corporate parking lot that was nearby and just would do like five or 10 laps of it. Miserable experience. Just truly a heinous and miserable experience. Yeah. See, my thing with exercise in general, I have always just like hated it. I like I've always been like a very active person and I would love to play like sports and, you know, do like sporty things. Like I'll go play basketball, play like football, something like that. I've always done that my entire life. I've been like super athletic and like willing to do that. But I have just hated the notion of just like purposely going and making yourself tired. Like I, I would never do it. And so it was just, it's been hard to just convince myself that yeah. I should just like you're, you're a run. Mickey Roddy style individual. Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah. Sure, I'll take that. I'll take that. But it's nice. It just it 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 has not been great. But I um, you know, I I think I'm to the point. And like any, I'm sure as you know, even with like lifting weights and stuff, after you get past the like baseline level of like this sucks ass, like it becomes enjoyable. Like when you're completely out of shape, and then you get to the point where you're like, oh, okay, like I can actually like do this. Um it stops like sucking and you kind of enjoy it a little bit. So I think that's the point that I'm yeah. finally at. Good, man. Good for you. Um, well, cool, dude. I'm excited to get into this week's, uh, this week's topic too, by the way. I know we are, we are pretty much packed with shit to talk about today. Yeah, we are. Uh, I think everyone knows the big news. So I'm kind of hyped to get into it. Um, really before we do that, we do have a little announcement on the site note. Um, it is, as you guys can tell, it is football season. We are pretty much here. We are perilously close to the season. Um, we're doing a little special on the website. If you guys have been listening to this podcast for free, kind of freeloading off of us and uh, not paying us, now's your chance to do so. Uh, we are running a code, which is kickoff, all one word, um, for 50% off of your first payment for me to midfield. So that could be a month, could be a, a, a six-month subscription, could be a year. 50% off, code kickoff, uh, get you signed up. Again, it is really a fucking awesome message board. Uh, I think our, our thread for the off-season Kevin, you know what it's at? It's something ridiculous. Like we're at like 200 pages on the offseason thread right now. That seems uh, the about right. Thread is a separate one that has like 100 pages. Yeah, the thing's just loaded down. It's just packed up. We have a separate quarterback one. The boys are barking. They're getting ready for the season. The girls too. We're we're a little we're we're a feminist for us. So. <laughs> uh, everyone's getting ready for the season. It, it's pretty much. I mean, it's it's peak time right now. Um, the SEC previews have all come out. The Big Ten previews are coming out uh, very shortly. Uh, the podcasts are about to ramp up right now to two a week. Uh, this podcast included an extra premium episode of your subscriber. Flipping the field, you get three episodes a week, one of which is premium episode. You get access to the message boards that we were talking about. All of the articles and content we do weekly. Uh, I think we're going to have some like, you know, I think it's eight or ten articles a week on average coming from the from the four of us. Uh, it's Ohio State coverage, Michigan coverage, Big Ten coverage, national coverage. If you're an Ohio State fan who has an eye in the sport nationally, it is there's no other bad place to be. Um, yeah, it's been fantastic. Uh, we just did a podcast on flipping the film with Bill Lance on it. So if you have any interest in how it's an unlocked premium, uh, we used to do that all the time with experts on there, uh, ourselves included. Uh, although I don't want to call us experts, but either way, good time to join the site. Code is kickoff 50% off. Uh, come boogie, yeah, man. I appreciate that. That was that was 
maybe your your most thorough ad read yet, which is sad news for home field apparel, but um <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't disparage myself the same way I do our sponsors. Yeah, yeah, that's fair, but that's that's what they expect from us, so it's okay. Um yeah, man, I I I cannot emphasize enough. Come hang out with us. It's gonna be a fun season. It's gonna it's been a fun preseason. Um and I think one of the big things that we are all barking about online um all over is uh the Ohio State quarterback situation. Um mm-hmm. basically there has been no resolution on that uh this entire time. It seems like it's been neck and neck from the very start. Um and Ryan Day as of Monday, which was very weird. He like moved up the press conference from Tuesday to announce that there was like he wasn't announcing a starting quarterback. So that was very odd. Um, I figured like he did kind of the same thing last week, too. And I figured that was probably to announce the uh, suspension to um, Bennett Christian. But I I don't know. Um, just v- very weird all around that there just isn't a quarterback yet. And um, what what is what is I know we talked about this last week. We're going to keep talking about it until there is finally a quarterback. But what is your your takeaway at this point? Yeah, good question. Um, I think. I don't know. I, we talked about our opinions this a lot. Actually, no, honestly, not that much. This offseason. We've kind of avoided it because our, our stance has kind of just been it'll be whatever. It'll be all right. Yeah. Um, but I do tend to think that like. You know, I have been a Devin Brown guy throughout this. I think I've been kind of out on that a little bit. Um, it, it, to me, it feels like with with the way this is pushed on, and this is, by the way, there's some folks out there still saying that it's a normal timeline for the race. It, it pretty clearly is not. Uh, like Ryan Day, you know, for the Justin Fields, quote-unquote, quarterback race, announced on August 19th. Uh, for TJ Shroud, he announced on August 21st. Both of those were, like, the first press availability after their second scrimmage. Um this is clearly pushing on longer than the previous ones. It's also really yeah, not also, close to result. And we knew who the right. starter was going to be. I think that's the other thing. Like, it's not like that. That's the difference is like we weren't actually waiting for them to name a starter. Like we we knew exactly who it was going to be. Yeah, true, true. I think that's fair. Um, I, I think also like this is this is pretty clearly a different ball game than any of the previous ones. Like it's just it's a tighter race. It's going deeper into the season um it's dude like i mean like i don't know it's it, to me when it goes on this long where you have a guy who's a presumed starter like kyle mccord already competed with cj stroud and like looked pretty good he started a game that season like he was close enough to stroud the day was willing to give cj stroud a a week off basically mm-hmm. uh and fully trusted kyle mccord uh mccord has obviously been kind of annoyed the guys from a five-star quarterback but like david brown's over top quarterback and it seems like he's pushing hard enough that this is a real thing. And I think when it goes that way and McCord can't separate, despite having all the extra experience, despite Brown missing about a third of spring ball, uh, yeah. it tells me that Devin Brown's the guy. And you have to think too, like every every tiebreaker should go to Kyle McCord at this point because also he was Marvin Harrison Jr.'s high school quarterback. And so if we're going by that, like he has experience throwing to you know, the top receiver in college football, Ohio State's top weapon. So I just like, yeah, yeah. like, like, like with, with what you're saying, there's just, I, it, it would seem like everything was working in Kyle McCord's favor and he still hasn't won the job. And that right. seems to me 
that it's trending towards Devin Brown ending up with the job ultimately, because you have to think also like if Devin Brown's had fewer reps, he hasn't thrown a college pass yet. You know, like he he uh, doesn't even have anywhere near the experience as Kyle McCord um, is a year behind and he is still pushing him for the job. And so to me, just as a layman, that seems like if anything, all else equal, you see what Devin Brown can do with live action snaps. Yeah. And I think that's really what's trending, right? Like at this point, I think it's fair to say that with the presence, I mean, obviously you have the presence of, of Brown just the way he's pushing, but I think even beyond that, like the fact that they're entertaining still going into the season with this at this point, the fact that it hasn't been decided yet, like you want to have a guy picked by now and give him all the QB1 reps to get him settled. The fact that it's that close means that to me it's pretty obvious they're going to go into live action those first three games prior to their game. They're going to let these guys alternate drives or halves or games or whatever it may be to kind of determine somebody. I think that seems pretty obvious at this point. That's the plan, um, which is what I'm expecting too. So I think we're going to get to settle this on field with live action. I don't know, man. It sounds like such horseshit, but I do think there is a, something a little bit different about Brown. Um, even going back to the mythology of him, you know, choosing Ohio State despite the competition, flipping late to Ohio State, him saying he doesn't really care who's on the roster, uh, with Quinn, with McCord, uh, with you know Jack Miller, <laughs> with CJ Stroud. Uh, you know, him being willing to come in and compete with those guys, some of just like a little bit of extra fire he has. I don't know. I just even the Sammy Ba thing, like him just being like he's just a bit of a weird guy. I kind of like that. I don't know. McCord is kind of like white bread to me, right? Which is this, yeah. is such, this is such like base level analysis. Well, like the thing is, from what we see with these guys, I think both of them have the arm to make every throw. So I'm kind of only going off personality traits and like other like you know intangible shit and a little bit of Devin Brown's legs and youth, like you said. One of my friends, you're talking about like weird analysis and like dumb things, whatever. One of my friends hit me with a uh, a text today. Um, he said a thorough investigation into Devin Brown's Instagram leads me to this opinion that he should be QB one based on having three different pictures of him going to a high school dance, all taken less than eight months apart with three separate girls. Let's go, dude. He's a dog. At the end of the day, some guys are just dogs. I think he has it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I trust him. I love that. He also, t- I mean, he was going to the shooting range yesterday. Like the fact that he goes to the scrimmage, presumably plays as well as or better than Kyle McCord, then goes right to the shooting range with like a fully assault rifle in Columbus, Ohio. It's <laughs> so funny. I don't know, man. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> Something a little different there. Yeah, I'm, I'm just... embracing the Brown. Yeah, and, and like I don't know. That's that's been my read on it the entire time. Is he's just like there's just a little something. Like I don't want a boring quarterback. Like the, I don't know. It's He's he's going to be not boring, and that's all I want is somebody who is like primarily here for entertainment. Because at the end of the day, like that's what I'm here for. Like I I want my team to win, but like I want to be entertained doing it. And all else equal, give me the more entertaining options. So um, I, I want the yeah. guy that's going to maybe maybe shit talk an opponent after like trucking him on the field or like like I don't know like who's more likely to get an unsportsmanlike taunting penalty because that's the one who I want leading the team. Have you seen that video that Landis posted of him in high school? Uh... Where he like he escapes ridiculously from a sack attempt from the opponent, like rolls out to his right, hits a crazy downfield touchdown throw, like for the go-ahead touchdown, and turns to his own sideline, does like the cross arms pose, just like staring <laughs> at his own sideline flexing. Like he has, I mean, listen, here's the thing though. 
I call Kyle McCord a little bit of white bread because just like the way he plays, I don't know. Like, I think just his personality, rather, or his demeanor off the field is pretty white bread. He's a bit of a, I mean, he's a competitor too. The guy like yeah. can talk a little shit for sure. He also like has a lot of, he's a gunslinger mentality. Like, I don't think Kyle McCord's a boring quarterback. That guy throws the ball anywhere yeah. he wants to. Um, I don't know, man. It just feels like there's all this juice around Brown still this far into it. If McCord can't separate, Brown also, for what it's worth, I don't know how much it should even factor in. I think you could argue that Devin Brown starting for two years sets up better for the quarterback competition between Lincoln Keenholz, Aaron Nolan, and uh, and Tavian St. Clair. Yeah. Like you could argue it's a better setup at that point in time for like scholarship retention for players like that. I think that's I don't know how much fact like look, it's look at the end of the day, like Ohio State's a championship or bust team every season. Um, they haven't they busted quite often in that regard, but uh, <laughs> like that is the standard here. You have to pick the guy who's the best chance to win this year. But if it's equal, I think you go with the yep. youth one for the development part that you noted, and two for like just the way it helps the roster longer term. Yep, I agree. I agree. I think it it makes sense in the long run. Um, but I've I, I mean we've been on record several times that. We ultimately don't really care who wins this job because I think both of them are fully yeah. capable of, you know, you know, being the quarterback. I would have liked there to be a decision earlier because I don't love the whole splitting first team reps of a quarterback who's never started before. Um, and like maybe not officially knowing who the starting quarterback will be until they're like heading into Notre Dame or whatever. But I will say, um, there have been a lot of comparisons made on Twitter to the 2015 quarterback battle between JT Barrett and Cardale Jones. And I think so that's really dumb, um, for several reasons. One, these guys do not compare to JT Barrett and Cardale Jones. They are galaxies ahead of both of those quarterbacks. And two, yes. the quarterback was not the problem in the 2015 offense. Nope. Everything else was the problem. And so Nothing has changed in terms of unless you think Kevin Wilson was a secret mastermind, you know, um, <laughs> running this Ohio State offense. And he's the reason why they've had the best offense in the country for consistently like the past five years. Um, you know, the, the offense is the same. Ryan Day is still going to be running it. It's still going to be the same offense. Um, there's the yeah. same wide receivers. If anything, like the skill players are better than they have been in previous years. So I just like, and, and like fundamentally nothing has changed. So I think it's really dumb to compare this to 2015 because to me, it is nowhere close to the same situation. I agree. I agree. And like, I mean, Day himself pointed this out in the press conference too, but like there's been a, quite a few teams that have had to like go to a backup and done fine. Like have to carry competition the season and done fine. Uh, I mean, like last year's LSU team was kind of back yep. with Dustmeyer for a little bit. You have uh, last year's TCU team that made the national championship game. Technically, Max Duggan was the backup there. Like he said yep. he's behind Chandler Morris. Like it's, you know, um, you, you also have, of course, the famous Ohio State 2014 team. I think we all know that story. But like, I don't think carrying this on is a death knell at all. I think getting live reps for these guys and you have so little evidence of both, which, by the way, is Day's own fault. I want to point that out. Uh, the reason there aren't live reps because he kept the starters in way too long all of last season um, and the season before, but that's a whole other concern. Um, yeah, I mean, I think seeing both these guys play is good for them. Someone did bring up in a group chat that I'm in about the concept of like how McCord, when he, like if he loses the job at Evan Brown, 
will probably want to redshirt to save his eligibility because he did not redshirt in his previous two seasons, which means, you know, if he wants to play, either he's one and done next year or he, although like, was he on? No, he wasn't on the COVID teams. It's just 21, 22. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, really, like, if he does lose this battle, he probably will not want to play the rest of the season. Like, if this goes into the first three weeks and beyond, yeah, McCord probably won't want to play another snap. He'll want to throw the red shirt, right? So, because he can play four games. So, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, that's interesting to see as well, which I mean, it's not an ideal situation. I've just keen holds the backup if Brown gets hurt. But also, if it's an extended period of time, McCord probably wants to take over anyway then because he gets a chance. To, yeah. I don't know. It's something I think about, but don't obsess over, I guess. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, I still lean Brown at this point. I think just like the video that got leaked of his throw from bull prep, too, I keep looking back at over and over again where he just hits that insane sideline yeah. shot. Um, I don't know. Like, I, I again, I like you said, I think they are totally fine with either option. Uh, I think that Kyle McCord is perfectly capable. I think Jeff Brown's perfectly capable. I think both guys have big NFL arms. I think both guys probably have the command with their ball placement to do what this offense season to do. Um, I think the ball probably comes off a little different, excuse me, off of Brown's hand. I think that McCord is probably a little too loose with the football. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I feel I feel pretty confident where they're at. I'm not really concerned. But I do still think a lean Brown at this point in time. That's kind of where my head's at. Yeah, me too. Um, I think that's kind of where we've been the entire time. Nothing really changed. We just had to talk about it again because uh, it's another week and there still has not been a decision made. So, um, But I guess that kind of leads to the other positions because we've had um, some, I don't know, some some kind of decisions made on elsewhere in the uh, on the field. I think we got... Sonny Styles has officially been solidified as uh, the nickel starter, um, which is interesting to me because I think as of last week, maybe even the week before that, um, Jim Knowles was not ready to commit to him being the starter. He was just kind of the front runner. Um, so I'm I'm interested in that. Um, and then there looks like there's still a little bit of a competition at the other safety position. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it seems like like Jihad Carter has been still a little banged up, which is not great, but is still kind of competing with Malik Hartford and uh, probably to a lesser extent Josh Proctor. Uh, Hartford is allegedly really coming on. Uh, he's a guy, I think you agree with me, but we just loved him in high school too, right? Just a physical, nasty yep. motherfucker at 6'3". He is very skinny, which is concerning. Probably, like, he was at like, what, 175 in high school, probably listed at 190 now. I haven't checked the roster, but I'm sure it's where he's listed at 185 or something like that. Um that is a kid that can hit. Like he is not scared to hit anybody. He's a physical player. He is rangy. Like I like Hartford a lot. Um, I know people are worried about a true freshman kind of coming on here, but I think the fact that like he's beating out, but the guy's taking reps that spot. Like you, Kai Stokes is repping a lot behind like the ransom and still a little bit deep safety. Jihad Carter is a full two year starter at both nickel and deep safety who has the freshman all America nod and like all ACC nods. Like, that's a real player. Josh Proctor is in his, you know, again, you guys know I don't love Josh Proctor, but isn't his sixth year in the system, obviously. Like, I don't think Hartford coming on for real reps is an indictment against who's there, as much as there's evidence of like that that guy can play and play early. Um right. I was thinking about it, like I, I almost wonder if like 
I don't know, Hartford and Carter competing for real reps at deep safety, while Carter can kind of, like, if they have to move Sonny around into a heavier position, Carter can play nickel pretty comfortably. Like, he's played both spots a lot. Carter has the versatility, but, man, Hartford's a freak. Like, he is just a, like, that is a guy that's just nasty and rangy that I think adds a different element they don't really have in the secondary other than Sonny. And I don't know, man, that's a big secondary that can really run, too, if you have Hartford, Ransom, and, and Styles out there. That's a well, nasty group. And it's and it's never a bad thing to have multiple players that can play the position. Because I think you can count on one hand the number of times that somebody goes wire to wire is like a starter on in the secondary. Um, not not as a starter, but like is able to play every game. Um, you know, that's that's how sure, especially this school. Yeah. Yeah, right, right. Um, but I, I I think it's always good to have at least one guy, maybe more, um kind of able to you know fill into those roles so the fact that they have kai stokes and hartford if need be and then maybe uh, carter with a little bit of flexibility i think that kind of bodes well for building depth it really what is frankly the most important position group in this defense so um i i don't look at it as, as a bad thing that carter hasn't necessarily locked down that spot as a as a starter yet because like we've said like he has more than proven himself is a player already. So the fact that somebody yep. else is pushing him, you know, it, it's not like this is a bad player that we're wondering whether or not somebody else can come and take his spot. Like this is somebody who I would be very comfortable starting at Ohio state who um, is being pushed by another player that yeah. we all thought. And it's also banged up. Yeah. It is also yeah. banged up. That's worth noting too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the fact that he's still not healthy after this long is pretty concerning. I mean, kind of another indictment on the training staff once again. But I mean, like, yeah, I think, look, if Carter can't go for any reason or like, you know, doesn't get enough reps to be day one starter based on his injuries, I would be very concerned if Josh Proctor starts. That would make me very nervous. As you guys know, I think Josh Proctor is terrible. I think we all have seen why. Um, however, you know, I, I think that, Hartford coming out and take those reps away from Proctor, away from Carter. Again, it's just only a positive sign. Um, it is interesting and I think positive that Cam Martinez's name was basically not mentioned whatsoever by any coach during that like during that yes. you know interview. That's good. Um, I think the fact that Kai Stokes' name is not mentioned much is a little not awesome. I know he's also been kind of repping behind Ransom, so he doesn't really have much of an opportunity to. Right. To maybe kind of shine the way other guys have, but I would like to see a little more buzz around around Stokes to, if he is who we thought he was. Um, but if you have a top four at safety of Styles, Ransom, Hartford, and Carter, I feel awesome about that. And you have a top three at corner with Igbinison, uh, Burke, and, and Hancock. Like that's a top seven DB group for five spots. I feel very, very, very good about. Yep. Yep. 100%. I suddenly. This was really the biggest question mark of this Ohio State defense heading into the season. And suddenly I feel really good about the um, secondary and by extension, the rest of the Ohio State defense. So um, I yeah. think pe people are going to be in believe it when I see it mode after. Which I get. I am too. Yeah. yeah. But but, on but people, now, ironically, I'm in believe it until I see it mode because of the defensive line, not because of the secondary. Like, uh, which is crazy to say. Like, I think the D line is very concerned in the secondary at this point in time. I don't know if you feel the same way, but like, I'm more concerned about finding the ways to get pressure, especially with, we're going to talk about a little bit later in the podcast, but like the, the still ongoing feud between Larry Johnson and Jim Knowles. Yeah. 
has me thinking more about you know the yep. the second the defensive line of the secondary. Yep, I agree. Um, I think that really the secondary and the D line play off of each other a lot more than um, I think people really consider. Um, Because I think a good D line gives your defensive ends or your pass rushers, you know, that extra third of a second, half second to get to the quarterback, which frankly is what is what Ohio State's been needing the past, yeah, you know, few years. And then a good pass rush, three years, yeah, yeah, three years. A good pass rush can obviously, you know, create havoc and create uh, chaos plays that the secondary can capitalize on. So they really play off each other. So I'm I'm interested to see how much a good secondary can help the pass rush too. So um, yeah. we'll, we'll, we'll and, get into the pass rush situation in a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I guess other defensive notes, seems like Mitchell Milton is getting a little more buzz, which is, I guess, cool. Like they got like Jack Sawyer's also apparently been playing very well the last couple of days. They said he won two Super Bowl all the days in a row, which is, you know, good, good sign. Uh, it seems like Kenyatta Jackson really was coming on and that maybe pushed Sawyer to play better. Uh, I think they have a pretty clear top three at this point of JT Sawyer and Kenyatta at defensive end with Curry, obviously going to play a lot of reps, but pretty clear at the fourth guy at this point based on Kenyatta's growth, which is crazy because Curry looked really good last year. Yeah. Um, you know, it sounds like D tackle is pretty stacked, right? Like, uh, like Mike Hall is apparently just blowing everyone's doors off, which is concerning for the center play, but I think overall pretty good based on the other guards they have. Um, I mean, cause Tyler Williams is out there when he's healthy uh, you obviously have Taiwan Malone coming on. Uh, Hero you Connor have got some shout outs too. Hero Connor got some shout outs. Um, yeah, man. I mean, Ty Hamilton's just steady. He's still there. Yeah. It's a steady player. Um, Caden McDonald got some buzz this week as well uh, yeah. as a true freshman. Uh, obviously, Jason Moore seems like a freak, but maybe, you know, needs to transition that weight a little bit. Uh, and Jane McKenzie's there as a millionth year player who probably still won't get any real reps, but at least there's a vet. Like they can go five or six deep at the tackle and feel fine. And uh, DN, they can go three or four deep, probably four deep and feel fine with Mitchell Melton kind of being that he is the most defensive end like Jack player, I guess I would say. Um, yeah, it all seems good to me. I mean, like right now, I mean, the biggest concern, which we'll get into again a little bit later, is just, it's just the discord and the defense still in that defensive room. It's still concerning. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the the players themselves seem like they're in a pretty good spot. Yeah, the and, Joes and, are good, and I think I think like weirdly, when you actually look at this on paper, you actually look at all of the players and even the two deep. Am I insane for thinking that on paper, the defense seems less concerning than the offense right now? Oof. I don't and think like you're that, insane. That's, 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 I don't think you're insane at all. But that's I don't, not I don't an indictment on the yeah. offense. It's just like when you actually look at the question marks on the offense right now. It's like, all right, Ohio State. Well, 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 let's let's talk about the the position gaps right now because we we kind of got one uh, settled. It looks like um, Jimmy. He goes by Jimmy these days, right? Jimmy Simmons. I think it's back to Josh again. It's it was just like to, a, it's, it's apparently it's it's just a joke from the other alignment. Okay, because they already had two Joshes with Fryer and Padilla, so they made him change okay. his name. Which is kind of funny, to be fair. Yeah, but yeah, he's that, locked up. Sorry, the left tackle role as you were hitting. So, yeah. so yeah, he and like all, all props to him. I think we all expected that. That's what we knew as soon as he transferred. He wasn't transferring to not start at Ohio State, although somebody yep. did. Um, but um, <laughs> I, I mean, that's that's a Mountain West 
left tackle that's you know starting there was a fine mountain west left tackle that's going to be starting yeah, at ohio uh, state so like that's that's at least a little concerning they still don't have a center um we're not really sure what the i mean cade stover is the only real proven tight end on the roster and he's fine um you know and, and you don't have a quarterback that's i mean if, if Devin brown starts he hasn't thrown a college pass and so like on paper the defense leaves me a lot less concerned than the offense i i just like it's it's purely like blind optimism. I think the Ohio State offense is going to be fine because it always has been. And I think it's going to be better than the Ohio State defense because the defense has kind of sucked ass. But like if you just ignore all the previous history, I'd be more more content with the Ohio State defense than the offense right now. I get it. I get it. I just still think the traffic right offense, them always yep. figuring it out is pretty I good. I get that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but I think the fact that it's a question is is kind of positive, right? At this point, like, right? Because it's not know. an, I feel pretty it's not good. an indictment on the offense. I, I feel good about it. It's just like when I'm like, I can't. There's nowhere on the defense that I'm like talking myself out of this team being good. Yeah. Well, let's get into the, the offensive position groups a little more because we went over defense pretty well already. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned the the Simmons starting at left tackle thing. Fryer is locked in at right tackle. Like basically four spots the line are now locked in. I know they didn't officially name Fryer, but come on, he's starting. Um, it, it is Simmons and, and Fryer at tackle. It is Jackson and Jones at guard. Also, a shout out from Ryan Day that Matt Jones is playing the best of what he's ever played yet, which is good because I still I think, think Jones awesome. went healthy. I think Jones, when healthy, is a great run blocker who probably has some strides to make in the pass blocking game. But I, I think Jackson's probably an NFL player. Um, I think Jones can be, although, he, I mean, just his age makes a late round pick, but another point. Um, yeah, I feel good about that. I think Tegra as a sixth man, either guard or tackle, is yeah. a really, really good player. I think they are probably cross-training him too much, right? Like, I just like him to be a guard. I still maintain they should have put Jones at center in spring ball and put Teshable at guard and just kept it there. But whatever, I'm with the coach. Um, the center battle remains concerning. Uh, you know, I think that, like, the fact that Hinsman has not done enough to separate from Victor Cutler, who we've seen play two years of Sunbelt football and be bad. Like, he sucks. Victor Cutler is really shitty. The fact that he's still pushing Hensman and Hensman is not separated is concerning for him. This is not Carter and Hartford. This is not Gordon Brown. Like, this to me, the fact that he can't clearly blow away Cutler is nerve-wracking. <laughs> I Okay, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add... Cutler was an atrocious offensive tackle, but he is clearly a better interior lineman than an offensive tackle. So, like, yeah, but he's I, not good there either. His his, his I, grades there are also yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I I'm with you there, but it's not. It was not as atrocious for to consider that he could play on the inside or whatever. Um, but yes, I I'm at least a li- little bit concerned about the center position especially because my assumption from the end of the season until like it was clear that it wasn't going to happen was that matthew jones would end up playing center and then you would have two of the good guards playing guard um yeah and that that's Which i still think it's better i still think it's smarter yeah 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 um i this is blown my mind for for like is he just terrible at center because it seems like they should have done that you know last year the I, I don't know that's i, I like can you i, I, I think that 
the day regime does not quite have the same problems with trusting older players or younger players the way Meyer did. However, he does not like to move incumbent starters anywhere. Like if a guy starts the position, he is not really open to changing his like they spots. They moved Thayer Thayer happened one time, I think, because they had NFL players all across the O line. Yeah. But like, I still think, you know, like Carter to the nickel, ransom to deep safety, Styles to the strong safety made more sense. Like, I think there's a few of those where it probably makes more sense to shift it up a little bit, and they're just unwilling to do it, which is whatever. It is what it is. Like, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I just, I like, I, I never, I never thought Luke Whipple was very good. Um, I thought he was fine. Looks good in the preseason, though. Apparently, he's been he's been balling out in the preseason. That's that's great for him. Um, yeah, but sure, you're I, right. Yeah, I, I I thought he was fine uh, at, at the center, and like all of the advanced stats backed that up. He was decidedly like the weak link on the on the offensive line last year. And yeah, so it good pass pro player can't run block. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it bothered me to no end that Matthew Jones was not moved to center, and you didn't figure something else out there. Um, as soon as it was very clear that Harry Miller was not going to be able to be returning to the Ohio State football team, to me. You should have moved Matthew Jones, who was, by the way, the number one center in his class coming out of high school yeah. to center. Yeah, a million years ago. True, you're right. I, I agree with it you. Was, but like, it, even was, before... it, was, it was a long time ago. But like, if you no, would have done right, that though. when Harry yeah. Miller moved, when, when it was clear that Harry Miller wasn't going to be, this is relitigating an argument that we've had many, many times. Yeah. But if you would and have also, simply done it, that to begin with, we're fine now. Even, even the Harry Miller thing, by the way, like they gave that job to Harry Miller without making him compete with Jones for it, which I still don't right. get. Like, everyone's like, oh, well, Jones is guard. He's been a guard the whole time. It's like, well, it's because they never yeah. really tried him at center, uh, and they they never, like, they just gave that job to Harry Miller, which still pissing yeah. me off this fucking day. That's a whole other can of worms. Yeah, um, but I and I mean, that, that's another thing, too. Like, it, like, that. that's another, it's an indictment on Stadrawa, too, but the reality is that they shouldn't have really had to be in this situation because this would have been what Harry, this, I guess Harry Miller could have been gone after last year. Yeah. He, he could have been in the NFL, but like hypothetically he could have still been Ohio state center too. And then you would have had Whipler behind I, like there's that, that just threw off a whole lot of development too. When your center, just your perceived center of the future, just kind of quit the team Well, not quit the team. That's, that's a little, a little, a little uh, dismissive to say, but is no longer with the team when you kind of were expecting him to be the future of the position. So um, all in all, the center position has not been solidified for quite some time. And it's bothered me to no end that it, it seems like Matthew Jones hasn't even really got a serious look at center. And maybe he doesn't want to, you know, like I, I'd like may, maybe he doesn't want to play center and that kind of ends the conversation there. But to me, he was the number one yeah. center in the country. Yeah. I agree with you. And I, I just think like they clearly trust Tishabola a lot too and like him a lot as an athlete as exactly. I do as well. I think he's an ass kicker. Like I don't know. I don't know. I don't really get it. I don't really think he's a tackle. As I talked about, I don't think his feet let him play tackle. I think he has a guard all the way through. So I, I think he's one of your best five. Like maybe this is fine and Hinsman's a dog, but I don't know, dog. I, I don't know, man. It just doesn't like Yeah. I mean, to be uh, fair, at this point last year, I was not super optimistic about Luke Whipler either, and he was perfectly fine. So, um, I don't know. It's I mean, center is my single biggest concern on, on the whole team at this point. I don't know about you. That is my far number one concern at this point in time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And especially with the way 
kind of the modern pass rush has evolved where you've got defensive tackles that are serving as kind of the the tip of the spear on the pass rush. Yeah. That's that that is a little concerning that um you're gonna have somebody's I mean at yeah, especially when Michigan's defense is constructed. Yeah, yeah. I, it's it's concerning. Michigan, Michigan, yeah. Georgia, Bama, like all of them kind of just structure their team from the inside out like that. But um I guess I guess we'll yeah, it makes me nervous. It makes me nervous. Uh what we will see, we'll find out. Um I don't know. I, I mean I guess the upside, the positive note coming out of the old line notes, besides the Simmons thing, is that it seems like Luke Montgomery has really come on in his first fall yeah. camp, which is good. Um I mean, I think right now they have eight guys. They'd be okay playing, maybe nine if they trust color. I obviously don't. But eight guys, they'd be comfortable playing a game, which is, you know, at tackle, you have Simmons, Fryer, Montgomery, and maybe, uh, maybe Tushabola. At guard, you have Jones, Jackson, Tushabola, Vamahi. And at center, you have Hinsman and uh, maybe Cutler. Like, I think there has been some depth built up by the competitions, which is always a good sign. I just, I don't know. I still understand why you don't even try to get Jones reps. Like, even your worst, like e- even if he's not a center, he needs to go back to guard. The guy knows how to play guard. He's had a million fucking reps at guard in his career. Like at least gives you a chance to cross train a center and have him available and go over if he's ready. Like I, I just truly do not understand this Jamaica that one. I really it, just don't get it. This has been blowing my mind since Harry Miller left the team. I like, I, I sincerely like, I, I understood to a point last year where it's like, well, you couldn't get him ready in time, whatever. Like, I get it. I like there's there's no excuse for him not playing center besides yeah. maybe and especially Jacob James was out all spring. Jacob James yeah. was out all spring, so they, they had extra reps to spare too. They were yeah. playing fucking Toby Wilson there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know, man. I yeah, it's it's very confusing to me. Like the only reasonable explanation is that he simply doesn't want to play center, which I find hard to yeah. believe because right. Um, I, Most I, guys I, just I, want to help the team. And, and, and by the way, too, another thing here: even if you think Jones is in a center, you know who else was recruited center at Ohio State? Josh Fryer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, if you think Tisha Boulder's your guy, put Fryer at center. Play him at right center. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. It is that that is really concerning, and it seems like. It's it's concerning to me that they're not looking for the creative solutions to the problem because, like you said, like it see like at least God bless him, studs mentality seemed to be get the best five on the field, and a lot of times that ended up with four tackles, which was its different kind of problem. But like, yeah, you know, I don't know. I just I I feel like they just need to be creative and get the best guys on the field. And if one of them's Tegra, figure it out. Um, yeah, but I just it it doesn't seem like one of them is either Cutler or Hensman. So I tend to agree. But um, I guess one other note, we're going to go through a couple more positions here really quick, is that it does seem like uh, G. Scott is coming out a little bit of tight end, um, which is, you know, it's news. It's news. Everyone can have their own opinions on, on Scott and kind of what that means. Um, I, I think you guys know mine. It's not super positive of what he's done in the past. Um, he appears to have either passed or pulled neck and neck with Royer. Um, Royer, of course, has been banged up himself. He always is, uh, you know, but 
Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's a different look. It's a different kind of body. Like, if you're throwing the ball to G. Scott, I guess, at least I, I can see the reason why for it, right? You know what I'd I mean? Rather I throw the, see... I'd rather throw to, throw to G. Scott than um, Cade Stover. Mitch, or Mitch Rossi. Or Mitch Rossi. Yeah, either one. Or Joe Royer. Yeah, I think he is a little more dynamic in the open field and probably has a little more route running capacity. Um, yeah, I don't know. Tight end, whatever. Yeah, tight end two is fine. They're throwing around that 12 personnel shit that they love to do, which they don't do very well and it's not going to have to take off the field, but take it to receiver off the field. I mean, whatever. I'm not going to get into it. Uh, at receiver, uh, it's Brandon Innes and Cardell Tater falling out, and I think Noah Rogers to a lesser extent too, which is awesome. Um, it does seem like their, their receiver situation is, you know, I, I don't want to say it's as good as it's ever been because they did have Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave. Uh, Jackson the Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr. and Mecca Hook in the same room at one point in time. But like Fleming's playing very well, according to Tony Gurman. Um, you know, Tate is obviously pushing very hard. Like, I, you know, Xavier Johnson with the Block O jersey. Like, that group is ridiculous right now. Like, I, I think, you know, he's a team captain. I think the depth of the captains or sorry, of the receivers right now is pretty ridiculous. And they can arguably go. I mean, you trust them to go, what, six or seven deep at this point in time? Like, you have, oh, yeah. obviously, Harrison and Akuka. You have Fleming and, and Johnson as proven guys. You have Ballard as a player who has gotten basically zero buzz this fall. Well, Tate seems to have passed him, but nevertheless, has been around for a while. Um, you know, you have Ennis coming on. Like, that's a pretty strong group there, top to bottom. Yeah, and I, I think my my the funniest part about these receivers is any given one of these freshmen i think if you put them on the roster in like 2018 or something they would have started as true freshmen but it's just yeah. like like the the way that the, the team has evolved like now they're just like ah oh, you'll see the field next year you know and you'll have your yeah. 10 years or whatever um but i mean like look at garrett wilson and chris Olave. like they kind of took over as true freshmen because there was no one else on the roster really and um since then it's just been you know five star after five star after five star after five star yeah. and here we are and um you say this you know you it might be too early to call this the most talented wide receiver room i'm gonna go take a step further and say i don't think we have seen the most talented ohio state receivers room yet coming next year maybe yeah. next year or the year after when um you've got brandon and or when you've got a Brandon Ennis and Carnell Tate are third years, and then you've got Jeremiah Smith and that second years. They'd be second years. They'd yeah. be second years, and then Jeremiah Smith and all of them are are also there. So, yeah, I, I, Graham, yeah. yeah. I, I think that I think that the Ohio State wide receivers room is stacked now. It's very deep, and it's only going to get more stacked and more deep in the future. Yeah, I think you're 100 right. Um, Look, as long as they have a center who can snap the football and block <laughs> yeah. a little bit, like I, I think, like between the quarterbacks, just stand the receivers there, man. and the tight ends. Yeah. yeah, the running back room sounds good. Like Evan Pryor's been really well. It sounds like they said Trainer said his best camp yet. Um, the guys playing right now, I mean, like, I mean, these skill positions are ridiculous at this point in time. It is a crazy group of the skill positions. I don't know. You have to feel good. I mean, you have to feel pretty good about it. Yep. Um, you know what you don't yeah. feel good about? You're going to find out after we talk about what we do feel good about. And we feel Ooh. good about home field apparel. Because um, it makes us feel good. It does. It does make us feel good. As we've mentioned, 
Ryan and I always podcast wearing just home field apparel shirts. We Winnie the Pooh it. And um, I'd, I'd argue that... I'm showing Kevin my dick and balls right now. Yeah. Yes, yes. We have never looked better. In fact, um, I think that there are very few shirts that can actually make you look good while doing the full Winnie the Pooh. And Home Field Apparel is uh, truly, truly one of those brands. And you can do it with a sweatshirt or with a t-shirt. And, um, I, you know, I'm t-shirting it right now. Um, Ryan's sweatshirting it. It's, you know, we're... We're we're rocking it. Um, and you can Winnie the Pooh too with the you can take 15% off your first order and Winnie the Pooh like me and Ryan. Um use the code meet at midfield for 15% off your first order. It doesn't work on your second, third, fourth, or fifth. Uh they will call the police on you. Um, but mm-hmm, if, mm-hmm. If, if if you have not gotten into the home field game use 15 percent off your first order uh with meet at midfield which is coincidentally our website it's so true uh that is our website um no yeah i mean i feel really good about where home field apparel's at i think they have one of the top uh, wide receiver depth charts in the country too um no i don't know it's a great brand obviously i wear it all the time um, I had a shirt stolen from me by a friend, as I mentioned previously. I have bought shirts for friends. I wear the shirts all the time. I get compliments on the shirts. They look great. They feel great. They're incredibly comfortable. Um, they're stylish. I mean, the, like the, the gear they dropped from the O2 title team, from the 68 team, like just the, the, the gear that's around for home field is pretty incredible. And I recommend it very, very highly. If anyone thinking about it, um, that code's a great one. Um, I have my new gear coming, I think, in a week or two which I'm excited to have on hand, but yeah, I mean, it's sick right now. Um, it's great stuff, man. I love the shirts. I wear them all the time. It's something where like, I, I don't know, they are our primary and only sponsor, but uh, I'll say I have been on podcast before where I had to read other sponsor ads and I didn't actually use the shit. I do genuinely wear home food all the time. I love it. It's very comfortable. Um, it's, it's, I mean, look, come on, you need new gear. You, you're a Buckeye fan. You have to wear your Jersey to church on Sundays right. and to the stadium on Saturdays. You know, you got to get here for the five days of the what, week. What else yeah. are you going to wear to class? You know, like I, I just drove. Through 100%. Campus. You guys are freaks. You're all just wearing scarlet and gray to just like go to McDonald's. So, um, yeah, rocket, you know, at least at least wear a good shirt instead. So. 100%. I saw a guy wearing a Tulane home field shirt in uh, Washington that. Square Park this weekend. Love I that. gave him a shout out. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm in New York City. I'm in the heart of, of America's fashion empire, and people are wearing home field apparel here. So it's 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 time to wear it. People are saying it's the next Gucci. Well, I mean, I don't think Gucci ever had exclusivity like this. That's the thing too. Like Gucci that didn't have the heart of the people. Yeah, his his Gucci made a Southern Alabama shirt. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think so. No, no, of course not. I walked by the Hermes store the other day because I was on the way to the Whitney Art Museum. And uh, there is nothing in there I would I would trade for a piece of home field apparel. Yeah, um, yeah, not even close. That's fair. That's fair. But um, man, I I think we've we've been too optimistic, and I I think that pessimistic is going to be overblown to talk about this situation. But um, I'm I'm getting a little peeved at at Larry Johnson and his perceived feud with the two million dollar defensive coordinator jim knowles i think confirmed feud yeah confirmed feud yeah i it's it's definitely it's definitely there so i our our good friend good friend of the podcast marcus hartman posted a video um on twitter 
where he basically asked Larry Johnson um, about just kind of vaguely, it was part of a, a larger conversation too about the Jack situation, the Jack position. And it's tough to like, I it, there's not really a quote that I can read you from this. It was more just like, you got to go to his Twitter account and just like watch the video. Look at his it's face. More, yeah, look at the way just, the agitation. It was more the way yeah. that he answered. Like he basically, the answer basically implied that he has nothing to do with it with the jack position and wants nothing to do with the jack position and like more than that is just kind of like yeah jim i mean jim Knowles can do whatever he wants but like you know i heard he also doesn't want any of his players to to be on either you can tell like which we already know because he kind of forced that yeah Yeah. so man i i maybe this is this is maybe my strongest i'm not a controversial person i'm not usually the one with the controversial takes Maybe my strongest and most, yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of you. Maybe my strongest and most controversial take is that I am extremely out on Larry Johnson. I'm done. Like I, I want him gone. I think that he is a legendary coach. I think that he has made heavy advancements in the way that uh, pass rushing technique has been taught. Um, I think that he is going to go down in history as maybe one of the best position coaches in college football of all time. Um, but it's time for Ohio State to part ways with him. When you have a coach that cannot agree with the defensive coordinator that you hired to revamp your entire defense, which has sucked ass four of the past five years, and he yep. just can't get on board, and more than that, is insisting on playing a 4-3 front that is seen as antiquated in basically every level of football, including high school football, Um and he's refusing to do anything else. He's refusing to have any of his players do anything that involves versatility, which is not preparing them for the NFL at this point. Um, he's getting his ass kicked in several recruiting battles that, um, and part of that has to do with his age, but that doesn't help either. Like, how are you going to sell, even if you are the best defensive line coach in the country, how are you going to sell somebody that you're going to be around for the next three years when retirement rumors have been swirling for like a decade? I just like, I don't know. I with with the utmost respect for what Larry Johnson has done, um, who he's recruited, what he's done for the Ohio State defensive line, because he has made the Ohio State defensive line. He has helped to develop that reputation for the Ohio State defensive line. Big time. With all with all due respect to that, it is time for him to go, and it has never been more apparent than this quarrel with Jim Knowles, who is trying his earnest to fix this atrocious defense. Yeah, and it's also like, look, Jim Knowles, I've kind of described his defense in the past. We've talked about it. He's not a pure mint front coach the way like the Georgia guys are, like a Glenn Schumann, but it is clearly has become his deferred, his brother preferred method of running defensive front. Like he wants to have three guys down, you know, three linebacker sized players, one of them being that kind of strike role, nickel role, Sam, or I'm going to call it with like what Styles play this year. And a fourth guy who can roam around between both groups, who can move across the formation, who can help them equate numbers, who can help create even odd fronts based on what the offense is doing. Like he loved that Oklahoma State, produced his best defense ever. His defenses at Duke, where he ran more of a 4 2 5, were good, but not special. You know, they were fine. Uh, and it's also Duke talent, which is fair. But like what he produced at Oklahoma State was a direct benefit of the Jack position of the ability to use that, the ability to kind of create havoc across formations, both in the run game and the pass game. Uh, it's a player who can blitz, who can drop into coverage, who reads, you know, cues to, and keys to call that, basically. Um, 
for himself and kind of be able to freelance a little bit, not freelance in the formation, but freelance within kind of his own play call. That's a very important role to what brought Noel's success in Oklahoma State. And you just have a guy saying, no, I'm not going to let you do that, basically, who's your underling. It's ridiculous. And it's also more ridiculous that Ryan Day won't come in the middle yep. of it and decide something here. Like, it's the fact that it's yep. gone on for this long and you still have him making comments against the media, you still have the controversy ongoing year after year, is a fucking joke. It should not happen. It should not be allowed to happen. It's embarrassed that it's happening. It really is fucking annoying. And again, like I think some of the recruiting stuff at Larry Johnson has been taken more of a lead because it's more public. And obviously his his play track record with guys like Chase Young, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa is easy to point to. And I think his D tackles have been pretty, you know, pretty good this year. But like he has not been good enough on the field to deserve this. Like right. The D-line has been pedestrian three years in a row. And if they're great this year, like, look, with the talent he has built up in that room and a lot of it leaving this season, there is no reason not to be great. Like, if it's not a very good, like, top 10 D-line this year, then he should be gone 100% because he's undermining his D.C. He's not allowing the formation to play the way it should. Uh, and his results aren't going to justify it. Like, frankly, like, if Ohio State's D-line was sick and Jim Knowles was just getting by without it, yeah, or with it. I mean, fine, whatever. Sure, it happens. Sometimes you hate your boss. I get it. You right. probably hate me, but uh, <laughs> uh, but that's not the case. Like the group has not begun to justify this. He needs to change his attitude and change his approach to it. He's not above anything. College football, college football, you know, changes constantly. Trey Scott, the Georgia D line coach, is not a traditional mid front guy, but he's adapted to what Georgia wants to run because he sees the way it's succeeding. And develops guys to it. Like, there's no reason Larry Johnson can't share that position group with James Laurinaitis or Jim Knowles, and still have "quote unquote" his guys, a defensive end, and defensive tackle, with influence from the edge coach or the, or the the jack coach. Like that can happen. He's just undermining it and cutting it off the knees. Right. And I, I don't know. I, I think it's um, it's more. It, it kind of the whole situation kind of makes me respect Knowles a lot more because the whole thing is like very childish um of 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 Larry Johnson, obviously. It's I don't know, like it it just seems like Larry Johnson is insisting on his own way, and Jim Knowles is being, you know, flexible enough to be like, all right, that's fine. You know, like I I can I can do multiple things like if this is the way that you're insisting on it working like we'll we'll make it work sort of thing which is insane that that's what he has to do but like it makes me respect him as a coach because like you said like this is a guy who's had success with multiple different fronts multiple different types of defenses he sincerely will shape a defense based on what is best for the team what is best for the competition that they're going to be facing? What's best for the personnel? Um, you know, what's what's best for the coaching staff in this case? And so, like, I really respect that from him. I'm just frustrated that he has to do it because, like, I I have full faith from I'm. I mean, there's no secret. Despite the the um, shortcomings in like the final two games last year, I think that Jim Knowles is a very good coach. Um, I think that he's a very intelligent defensive mastermind i think he's a great teacher uh and it's frustrating to see him get hamstrung by a position coach just for effectively no reason so um i don't know all all all, all what you're saying is totally valid um and so like i guess my thing is like 
I fully believe that Knowles and the defense can be successful despite Larry Johnson. They just shouldn't have to be. They should not have to be. That's 100% the answer. There's no need for this to happen. It's ridiculous it's happening. It's so solvable. Yeah. And like, I, I guess the other thing is it's not, it's not modern football. Like this is like a guy that's insisting like needlessly on just like running the power eye when everyone else in the world is like evolving to like more spread pro style offenses. Sure. It's like, Iowa's offense. The results are extreme because the talent's still there, but it's, I, and he's a better you know coach than anyone in Iowa's offense, right. but it's Iowa's offense. And right. you're, you're not adjusting your principles to the play you're witnessing. And like, you you look at all of the guys that are thriving in the NFL. I mean, both Boses right now, they don't play on just rigid 4-3 fronts. Um, Michael yeah. Parsons, he's not, Joey's an outside linebacker now. Yeah, yeah. Joey's an outside linebacker. Um, look at Harold Perkins. Look at Michael Williams. Look at, look at yeah. Will Anderson. Look at DJ Turner, Dallas Turner, rather. Look at all these guys. It's it's everywhere. And so it's, it's just frustrating, and it's going to bite them in the ass at some point. You've got all these people that are like, oh, no, he's a great recruiter. All these, you know, these players say that they want to come play for him. Like, that's cool. But like, it's very easy to recruit against because he's not actually preparing them for the NFL. He's not. He's not like these guys are going to have to go and relearn how to play a different position. And a lot of them can like, it's going to be fine. Like I, JT Tumalolo is like going to be fine at the next level because he's a physical freak. But like, yeah, wouldn't it just but be if JT if and Jack play? don't go top 50. It's a, it's a, it's yeah. that's all you need to know. A hundred percent. And you know, Zach Harrison, he never got developed either. I think. The whole, narrative, yeah. you know, the whole the whole narrative around Zach Harrison was that he was coming and he was a super raw physical freak. But once Larry Johnson got a hold of him, he was going to learn technique and he was going to be an elite pass rusher. That never happened. It never happened. And like maybe yeah. some and like that's the sort of thing where you can pin that on the coach if it happens or you can pin that on the player if it happens once. If that was an isolated example. But like what who's a pass rusher in the past six years that Larry Johnson has developed into an elite pass rusher who wasn't already like incredible when they got to campus. Chase Young, yeah. Yeah. It's, like it, it just it it hasn't happened. Even besides Chase Young, like who who else was on the roster that was like doing stuff? Nobody. The opposite, right. Who who played opposite of Chase Young in that that season? I have no fucking clue. No fucking clue. Who fuck was it? Uh was it Tyler Friday? Or was that a year early? Uh, I, have, I have no no fucking clue who played opposite of Chase Young, and that's kind of the point. Yeah. I'll, I'll look it up. Yeah, Maybe me too. I'm looking it up right now. No, no, no. I mean, like I, I'm because Hubbard was gone. Hubbard's been a good. No, he's been yeah, gone was forever. It Jonathan Cooper. It must have been Jonathan Cooper. It must have been. Yeah, Jonathan. it was. Uh, yeah, it was Zach Harrison, Tyreek Smith, and Jonathan Cooper playing that spot. Okay, it's Tyler Friday yeah. too. None, none, I mean, Tyreek Smith, that's that's kind of another guy that like was underwhelming in terms of development because I thought he was going to be awesome when he got to campus too. And he was fine. He had a fine career. Yeah, by the way, almost the exact same body type is like uh, as they have with Caden Curry and, and they're recruiting with, you know, Edric Houston. We're going to talk about in a second. He's going to commit tomorrow to Ohio State, but like same body type, exact same guy. Yeah. Um, it's it's nerve wracking. It is nerve wracking. Um, so. I don't know. It's yeah, just, and like even Kenyatta Jackson, like like if you go look yeah. at Kenyatta Jackson's high school film, like he has all the buzz in the world right now. He doesn't really bend much in his high school film. He kind of just overpowers guys the, with a power rush, which you really can't do against three hundred thirty pound SEC offensive tackles. No. It doesn't really work. It didn't work for Zach Harris. He tried it all the time. Didn't do shit. Uh, yeah. Like that's something that those guys have to develop at. And, and Larry, 
I don't know. It's concerning. Like, I, I'm pretty much with you. I think it's time to move on from Larry. I just think that the answer is they're going to hire Randall Joyner, who's worse. Like, that's my my concern. Yeah, but uh, um, so, so, so here's here's my thing. Like, even if they do hire Randall Joyner, who I don't, I mean, I think he's he's a fine recruiter. Um, it's basically Larry Johnson part two. He's a fine recruiter. I'm not sure that he's great at actually doing anything once the, the guys get there. Um, at least you have the sense of continuity and that you can actually believe him when he can say, I'm going to be your coach for the next, like, whatever. Because that's the problem that Larry Johnson's running into right now is, like, how can you honestly look a kid in the eyes and, like, recruit him when you know damn well that you're not going to be there for three years? Like, you're not. Like, yeah. And, and everybody can see the strife between Larry Johnson and, like, it, like it, it's not a mystery between Larry Johnson and, and Jim Knowles. And I don't know. Like, it just it seems like the tea leaves are kind of there that he's on his way out, whether it's due to age or due to a misfit in the defense and like things like that. Um, and I, like, it's gotta be impossible to recruit. So even if they hire Joyner, like I do think that's an improvement just because they can at least recruit and Joyner does not have the, um, Joyner does not, have I guess the, I, he doesn't have the prestige sorry. to do whatever he wants. And so hypothetically, Jim Knowles can tell him to just like get the fucking line and coach this position group and it would be fine. So like, I, I think it does that's solve, true. solve yeah. some problems. Yeah, that's 100% true. Um, I guess the one thing that I do want to push back on the, the, the recruiting narrative for Larry, obviously the high-profile losses, guys like Damon Wilson, Keon Keeley, uh, who are in, you know, would say Willie Lay, who are all going to be impact freshmen for their respective teams who are also playoff contenders, is very frustrating. And you're seeing again with, you know, with quite a few key guys, you know, especially um, Marquise Lightfoot in this class, like a few others, like, you know, Dylan Stewart. It's obviously concerning when you can list those names out of like five top 100 players they could or should have had. But he has recruited a top five D line class, the composite, like every yeah. year here. Like, he, like his recruiting to me, I'm not actually worried about Larry's recruiting. I'm worried about the fact that he's on the field problem. Like, I, I kind of push back on that narrative. It's just an on the field problem. I'm not, I'm not yeah. worried about it yet, but I think it will be real soon. Like, the, I, the, I, missing the numbers at edge is concerning. They just miss their numbers, the problem, which, like, yeah, that's bad. Well, it's obviously I, bad. Yeah. I, I, I get it. But, like, my thing is, you're already seeing the very start of it. And I promise two classes down, maybe not next class, maybe the, the class after, it's going to start being a problem. So the fact that they just, like, I, uh, Ryan Day does this shit all the time where they try to solve a problem after it becomes a problem. And I don't want that to happen. Like I don't yeah, want Ohio state to have a shitty defensive line recruiting class because they're like, Oh no, these kids aren't committing to this 75 year old because they don't think he's going to be around or, Oh no, these guys don't want to come and play in an antiquated four, three front for three years. Like it's, it's a problem that you can see is going to happen within the next two to three years. And if Ohio State doesn't have a plan in place to actually move on and facilitate this change, it is going to be a problem. And then you're going to have to fire him. And then it's it's going to be this whole last thing when in reality, you can just look at the problem that's going to happen and solve it by, you know, letting him retire, letting him go out a legend and bringing in somebody else to replace him. Like that's that's all I mean. Like I agree. The recruiting is fine right now. Uh, fine to great. Like, you know, they're, they're pulling in five stars. They're about to have another five star guy is a. Uh, um uh he, he's who who's committing tomorrow it's um edrick houston, Edger, Edger houston. he's a, he's a, he's a fringe five star isn't he or is he a high four star he's a, he's a five star okay yeah. um so i mean they're, they're gonna end up with two five star defensive linemen in this class like that's it and if they can swing back grab another guy or something maybe they can swing by and get Lightfoot later in the process when miami eventually implodes um 
you know, like it, it's still salvageable. Last year, I think that Ohio State got their caught with their pants down in terms of NIL and that, you know, kind of fucked with them a little bit too. But like, this is a problem that is going to be a problem. I promise it's going to be a problem. And if Ohio State doesn't identify it, I, ju- I just don't want to go a class where they swing and a miss on all of their defensive line prospects and because they didn't solve this problem. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you're 100% right about it. Um, yeah, I'm always concerned. I am, I'm pretty much with you. I kind of want him gone as well. I'm pretty much out on Larry, but I think we should move on because we have a couple more things to talk about before we go here. Yeah. Uh, you hit on the Houston part really quick. Uh, he is committing tomorrow. It seems like he is going to be, you know, it's not it seems like he's committing to Ohio State, uh, which is a big win to be fair. He is a really, really talented player and uh, yeah. one of the top players in the class. Um, that yeah, is it's, awesome. it's, it's, a, it's a hilarious. I guess we have to acknowledge that, that we just spent 15 yeah, minutes yeah, trashing yeah. Larry Johnson and then we're going to publish this probably just a few hours before Ohio State lands yeah. five-star, five-star defensive end. So that's the caveat here. Um, yeah. First world, the, the other, I guess. But For sure. The other big thing is is Ryan Day as a play caller. Uh, yeah. Basically, Ryan Day came out during the press conference today. You record this Monday night uh, and, and pretty much said he's going to handle the majority of Ohio State's offensive play calling duties as the season begins. Um, he said, what do you say here? I'll read the exact quote. This is from uh, Dan Hovland of the Warriors. Uh, Brian's going to certainly at times make some calls and we're going to discuss it in between series, but I think early I'll do the majority of it. Brian's going to have an opportunity to call it well as time goes on. I think the thing for Brian is that he's done an excellent job of helping organize the offense. He's done a good job of installing for the first time this preseason at offense. That's a big part of being a coordinator. And so we're going to do the same thing this fall. We'll allow an opportunity to call plays, but also we'll bring it along the right way at the right time. I think it's something I have a great feel for. So there's been times that we've called it and just had a great conversation about thought process, situational football. So we'll kind of be a joint effort, but I'm certainly going to be involved. Um, uh, I, I just don't think he's learning, dude. I don't think he learns anything. I, I don't think Ryan Day, like like you said, he tries to solve every problem by being the smartest guy in the room. He like refuses to acknowledge that him being a play caller is actually something that other teams have realized they have to change and he will not change it. He just won't learn from it. Yeah. I, I, I think this is, it's one of those things where like what he's saying makes perfect sense in my mind. If it goes that way. Yeah. If it goes that way, because like the, the thing is if it like, if, if, cause like, let, let's be honest, it probably would not benefit Ohio state immediately, especially to just fork over the play calling duties to a wide receivers coach who's never coordinated an offense before, much less called plays real time. Like that probably is a terrible idea, like just straight up. Um, I like for, for the people that are, I I mean, I think everybody kind of saw that coming. That's like, are we really just going to like trust the, the Ohio state offense with a guy who's literally never done this before? Um, I, I don't think that usually works out well when you just give play calling duties at a high level program to somebody who has never done it before ask bill belichick who tried to do that with patriots last year granted he hired two defensive coordinators to do it but anyway the the point is like i am i am fine logically with that statement the problem is that ohio state probably should have given the play calling duties if they they should have moved on ryan day should have moved on from play calling duties before this season and so now you're kind of behind the game already where you're having to break yep. somebody in to play calling duties when you could have been doing that last year. Brian Hartline's been on the staff for a long time. Like he's he's been here. So like why is he just now this year 
learning to be the understudy play caller when he's like the in title offensive coordinator. Like, yeah. I and also give Justin one, Fry on the staff who's done it before who's, too. Like, who's called plays before. Yeah. So like, I, I, I don't know. I, I am frustrated that they haven't done this, what they're talking about. Like the, the process that he's describing makes perfect sense to me, but I'm frustrated that they're waiting until now to do it. Yeah. A hundred percent. And I, I also, I guess, just don't really believe him. Yeah. Like that's, that's, if that's someone is, if, if someone is talking about, you know, still be involved in play calling, he clearly, I, I think is with the play call. Like they realizes like also look at his track record. Like for example, like, Oh, like, like, here's the thing is Day treats every moment as a big moment. Like, he treats it like the NFL, which is his problem, yeah. where, like, he views Indiana fourth quarter reps as being for C.J. Shroud, which is exactly what we talked about with Devin Brown not getting passes, Kyle McCord right. not getting reps. That's what that shit happens because he's too reticent and too nervous. He's just a nervous person. Like, he is, as a human being, anxious. And because of that, he leans on too long to starters, and I'm confident he won't give Brian Hartline enough leash and play calling to actually make him feel confident that whenever it's a tight game, he's going to let him call the offense, right. which is, and, and like maybe answers in a tight game. Cause like, look, if we play Georgia in the playoffs, I want Ryan Day calling plays. Like maybe, yeah, that's probably yeah, useful, that's, that's but like, thing. but, but the week to week stuff for program management that you have when you're kind of still inserting yourself as a primary exactly. or even like a shared play caller is too much. You don't like run the program, right? Like, there's a reason guys who are play callers don't win national titles very often. Yep. It's yep. just two in the entire combined BCS and cultural playoff era. It was Jimbo Fisher in 2013 and Jim Trestle does it too. That's the yeah. whole list. Like I, that's crazy. Yep. I think, I think the misconception to people who maybe listen to us for the first time or have seen, you know, some of our tweets or like maybe something I posted on TikTok or something is that I, at least I'm not going to talk to speak for you is that I think Ryan Day is a bad play caller. And that's why I want him to give a... a no, of course a not. That's not the truth. I think Ryan Day is a great, great play caller. I, I think that's like very yeah. true. He's, he's gotten too cute, a couple big moments, but by his yes. track record is excellent. He's, he's, yeah. a, he's, a great, he's a great offensive coordinator. He's a great play caller. Um, and you can see that in the way that he just like massacred Clemson and created a great game plan for Michigan or for Michigan was a different story. Um, those and also put a ton of yards on Georgia. Yeah. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia was what I meant. Um, so like, I, I think that he is a a great offensive mind. My problem is that I don't think it's possible as you were alluding to for him to be a great coach and a great play caller. I just don't think it's, it's possible. Um, and, and, and it's not even play calling. It's more coordinating the offense. It's more that he has to be responsible for game planning, for figuring out what the hell is going to be on the call sheet for figuring out what, you know, like there's a lot more that goes into coordinating an offense than who's calling the plays on Saturday. And so if that part is true, that he is giving up some of those duties to Brian Hartline during the week and allowing Brian Hartline to step into game planning and scouting and like that sort of thing. That's great. That's frankly more important than, um, the, who actually reads the plays off call sheet on Saturday. Um, but again, I'm not sure how true that is because Ryan day is a, uh, you know, kind of a control freak. So yeah, a hundred percent. I just don't have faith. I'll actually do it. Speaking of control freaks. How about uh, Jim Harbaugh? Huh? Yeah. Um, the will they, won't they flirting romance saga of the Michigan suspension continues. Um, they self-imposed a three game suspension for Jim Harbaugh, Michigan. 
um this does like ultimately dispel like the nonsense there their their fans wanted to kind of get out there and kind of did semi successfully in the national media because the national media are dupes that are relatively pro Michigan right now because it's a cute storyline um that this is about a hamburger or a cheeseburger it it's not it's about coordinating off campus it's coordinating on campus visits you know during dead periods I'm basically doing like COVID period shit as well that got uh, her members in a lot of trouble Arizona State um Pete the Mel came out and said he thinks it's probably not the last suspension for Michigan. My read on this, and, and sorry, I'm just dominating the conversation here, Kevin, but yeah, I, I think that, like, I think is that Michigan is trying to intelligently break up the suspension where they don't, it's not going to affect a real game in 2023. And also, probably allows them to just do the same non con in 2024. They do play Texas non con, which is concerning for them, but it gives them space to basically break up this suspension into into two parts over the course of two seasons. If the NCAA did not accept four games, they're not going to suddenly accept Michigan's three games. Um, I think they're going to basically spend him three games this year and probably two or three next year, unless he leaves the NFL, which if he does, he won't have to serve it. And it basically allows him to not affect the 2023 or 2024 seasons with their suspension. What would be fascinating to me is I don't know that Michigan, I don't know that they did, I don't know that they didn't, that Michigan is doing this with Harbaugh's approval. Like, are they working with Harbaugh to do this? Or are they just saying, like, don't be a shithead. Let's, you know, this is the smart thing to do. Because there's a, we, we've, we've mentioned this before, there's a, there's a part of, of Jim Harbaugh that doesn't click like everyone else. And he might 100% believe that he is 100% innocent and is going to beat all of the charges against him in this case and in that case i could see him being frustrated that michigan is conceding that he should be suspended three games to start the season um when he might in all actuality be trying to just like straight up fight it so is it do you would you believe that there's a possibility that this could actually hurt the relationship between jim harbaugh and michigan well that's a good question i mean obviously like the relationship between him and Ward manuel is notably rocky and publicly rocky and that has to factor in but that's a hard question to answer. I don't really know if I have an answer to that. It's an interesting question you posed. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah. I could, I could 100% see Michigan being like, because it seems like the rift happened between Harbaugh and the NCAA, not necessarily Michigan being involved. So I could see Michigan being like, you're a dumbass. You're suspended for the first three seasons. Like you should have taken that deal to start with sort of thing, even though, you know, it it happened. I don't know. I, I could just see Michigan being like, trying to be proactive about a situation and Jim Harbaugh being um, earnestly believing that he's innocent in the situation and trying to fight the suspension altogether. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't shock me at all. Right. It wouldn't be really, really, um, it wouldn't be surprised in any way, shape or form if that was his thought. I mean, I think he's pretty clearly going to serve a, a, another punishment for this. It's it's, it's going to be ongoing. Like either he, and by the way, he's still under contract, right? He still has like one year left on his deal. Yeah. Um, two years on his deal. I think it's a $2 million buyout with one year left this season, if I recall correctly. Like, I think that dude has gone to the NFL. I think he is just trying to play it so it doesn't affect his last season at all for real games. Yeah. That's my read, is that he is trying again to get out of there, which he does every offseason, and basically does not want to have an outcome that impacts his... An outcome that impacts his uh, his ability to, 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 to kind of lead his team to the best possible season. I think he is viewing this, his most talented team, the most talented team in Michigan since their 1998 half title, 
that it's the best team they've had in that time. And he wants to maximize it as much time as he can. This is his effort to do so. That's yeah. my read. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see. Maybe Michigan played it smart. Maybe they know he's doing that. Maybe they played it smartly and are just like avoiding for the suspensions. But I don't know. Yeah, it's a it's a good read. I don't know. It's a good question. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I will. I will be watching that curiously. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's it was worth paying attention to. I'm not sure it really functionally matters all that much, but um, at least not this year. But uh, it's definitely interesting. So, um, but I guess that's kind of all we have this week. We went pretty long. Um, sorry about that. That's what happens when there's actually shit to talk about. But um, it is what it is. Uh, yeah. We will see you guys next week, and we'll we'll see you on the boards. See you and all the stuff that we're yeah. pushing out. But um, yeah, come subscribe with code kickoff. Um, fifty percent off your your first uh, first payment. Um, come get it. Yeah, go Bucks. Michigan sucks, and help is on the way. <laughs>